It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy. And it's about people. It's about, fin it's finally about people and not finally about science. The story when you actually put it into words is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept. Uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence. Great taste, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang, bang, and people fall over and are dead. But, you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's, a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Blimey, it's been ages. Welcome back to Generation Skywalker and the very latest episode of Those Old Fossils, where a group of, let's say, 40-something gentlemen and myself will be covering, reminiscing and coveting the original vintage Star Wars line. Now, Stu can't make it this week. He's um, got some things which he needs to take care of from a family point of view, and uh, we're really, really um, hoping to be able to speak with Stu in the uh, in the very near future and we um denied about recording but Stu insisted that he, he wanted us to get on and get this done and it's gonna feel a bit different <laughs> it's gonna be different for all of us because um you know Stu's the anchor I, I said anchor he's he's the anchor he's a glue one might say he's the metachlorians which hold this whole thing together and uh, but he's got confidence that we're gonna uh, we're gonna be okay and who's we who am I joined with it's the usual old fossils. So I'm here tonight with Craig Spivey. Hello. How you doing, Craig? I'm doing good. We'll be fine, Jez. We we'll will. smash it. We will. We'll be all right. And, <laughs> and also bringing us along, we've got Mark. Mark Daniels. Good evening. Good evening. How's it going? Very good. Thank you, mate. Brilliant. Excellent. First class. And also, amongst, amongst the very, very worthy straight in there smashing off the park in the modern is dan burgess joining us in the vintage with books dan dan's just like you know the premier podcaster now in generation skywalker dan how the devil that's a bit of an intro isn't it yeah, yeah very good thank you excellent lads we're surrounded with you know turbulent times it's all a bit sort of down and dark and stuff on the news at the moment and i just thought to myself right i want some Want a little bit of positivity out there. Want some good stuff, some positive energy to listen to. So straight off the bat, you know, Stu has given us his guidelines. Stu's told us, right, this is what we're going to do and put the notes together. And immediately, straight off the bat, I'm going to go rogue. 
and just push those to one side just for a second. All right, I'm going to keep you guys on your toes. So, uh, Mark, I'm going to come straight to you, mate. How vintage are you feeling at the moment? How vintage am I feeling? Yeah. I've I've been vintage since 1989, mate. Brilliant, so right. It never, get, it never sort of diminishes. It's always, it's a constant. Right, okay, so exactly the right person to be here. All, of, all about the vintage. Dan, Dan, how vintage are you feeling? Like a five-year-old on Christmas Day in 1983. Interesting, I wondered where that was going for a second. So no, that's, <laughs> that's excellent. First class. And Craig, Craig, mate, are you, are you all up for this? I'm so vintage it hurts. Oh, perfect. It sounds like we are the trifecta of vintage excellence and me. So, um, yeah, what what else? Right. So what I want to do now is find out, just to get us in the mood, Mark, tell me your your best vintage collecting moment so far. What? Ever? Yeah. Oh, crikey. Oh, man, that's a, that's a really, really tough one. Yeah. I said I was going to go rogue. Oh mate, that, that's there's so many. There are so many. Okay, uh, all right. What I'm going to do? Go on. I, I tell you what I will do. I yeah. will tell you one of the best items that I ever found, which was, and I'm looking at my collection right now, and it's got to be the mallow shaped Star Wars box. That's that's my um my favourite vintage oh, yeah. class. and that was uh, a few years ago and I, I managed to buy it on eBay uh, and it was on a, a Tuesday afternoon I was just about to go and pick my uh, son up from school and I was like I'll, I'll have a quick look on eBay see what's been newly listed and there it was Rizzo. buy it now 1999 mate it was one of those moments where you, you, you read the description you think is this a repro has somebody done a repro of, of that box and it wasn't. It was the original box. And when I, I mean, I, I, I bought it obviously. And when it arrived, I opened it up, and inside there was a little piece of cardboard, and it was face down, so it looked blank. I thought, "Ooh, a bit of loose cardboard. I wonder if there's a wrapper underneath." And it wasn't. I opened it and lifted the cardboard up, and it was the um, the header part of the box. So when you put the box together, you put the header at the back, and it makes a display counter and um i'm absolutely over the moon and the best 20 quid i've ever spent oh mate one absolute result right well have to post images of that yeah i remember i remember that and uh no mate we were all dead chuffed for you there oh great stuff right craig i'm gonna come to you our star wars collecting community phenomenon what what's your best most defining moment your so not something which you've necessarily purchased, but in all of your collecting, you know, over the years, what, what's your fondest memory? Uh, I, I know I've talked about this and we've talked about this at length, but the whole journey from doing the Collecting Track Helix presentation to uh, to working on the resurgence of that line, oh, you know, of course. Yeah. every single level. And for listeners who aren't familiar with that story, check out show number six. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, right from just hooking up with with grant and mark and realizing that these there were guys out there who got as excited about this stuff as i did and then where that took us fabulous fabulous experience not about finding things in charity shops not about deal of the century just about community and about making friends it was great perfect mate that's ace and dan i'm gonna come to you mate what if someone said to you what are you most thankful for 
in the whole Star Wars collecting world and this community that we're all part of now. What are you most thankful for? I think it's for people that put on the events like Dave Tree at Father's From. I think that that's, you know, added so much to the, I suppose, the texture of the community of everything being online nowadays. And, you know, celebrations are great, but only come around once so often. But having, you know, a regular event, COVID lockdowns, not um, <laughs> obviously not allowing. But other than that, we, you know, we all get to meet up, you know, two or three times a year and have a good yeah. drink and talk Star Wars. Absolutely. The texture of the community. How beautiful. Oh, I love that. <laughs> right, guys. Here we go. Absolute icebreaker now. And uh, as I said, we are going to follow the show notes. Don't worry. Oh my God, Jez has gone rogue. Right. Now, I've done this before. I've put this out on forums before just as a quick sort of five-minute speed test. Or I've even done this with uh, folk in queues. It's celebration. We are going to have alphabetical word association game where we're going to go from A through to Z, Star Wars figures or creatures. Alright, so we're going to start off with A and go all the way through. Each one of you will have a life, just in case you get stumped, because there are a couple in there, which uh, we, we all might struggle to come up with something. So, that's it. That's the rules. Now I'm going to look at this and think, right, who am I going to go with, first of all? So, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Craig, first of all. So, Craig, start us off with A. A man, a man, a man, a man. A man, a man. Interesting, yeah. Okay, you could have an attack. Uh, Strong driver, attack commander, Admiral Akbar, A wing pilot, or Anakin. So a man, a man. Nice. Okay, like it. B. Dan. Bosk. Oh, Bosk. Okay, yeah, straight in there. All right, so you could have gone fair. Could have gone bomber fair. Barada, Bill Fortune, and Biker Scout. All oh, the best bin security guards. B wing pilot, Ben Kenobi. Goodness me, there are a lot. Right, Mark. Straight over to you. Guys, remember your order as well, because I won't be able to. Mark, your next mate was C. C-3PO. C-3PO. Boom, straight in there, yeah. Okay, could have gone with Twin Pod in brackets. Cloud Car Pilot, I guess. Chief Chirper, C-3PO. Yeah, not many Cs. Right, starting again then. D. Dengar. Dengar, yeah. See, that's funny. Dengar's always the first one which I think of, but obviously the, the most obvious one, I guess, would be Darth Vader. But... um. Death Squad Commander, Death Star Droids, but yeah, Dengar, boom, straight in there. Gone and Dan, E. EV99. Nice, nice. Yes or no will do. Um, yeah, so with that, or Emperor's Royal Guard, you know, if someone had said the Emperor, well, that's it, it's got a V in front of it, no more clues. Right, moving on to F. Falcon, as in Millennium. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. I did, I did say... Uh, uh, figures or, or creatures, but I'll, I'll give you the Falcon, mate, because let's face it, she's alive, isn't she? Here you go, fun fact for you, right? Completely off the beaten track. Yeah, you know what they say in, I think, Rogue One, right? Falcon is alive, and uh, it was L3, wasn't it? L3 then became part of the Falcon's computer. yeah? You guys with me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Solo, wasn't it? Sorry? Oh, yes. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well corrected. Well corrected. It just shows how excited I am. I'm getting my, my facts mixed up. <laughs> so, so this, I was just mulling stuff over in my head, like in, in my little sort of, um, yeah, in my little special place. And, and when they said that L3 was part of the Falcon, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely right. Because there are three L's. In Millennium Falcon. Oh. Mind blown. Oh, man. 
I was, I've, I've got that meme of the guy with the head exploding going through my head right now. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from, guys. It's crazy stuff. Anyway, right, I'm digressing. Let's move on. So there we go. That was Falcon. Yeah, FX7. Yeah, that was the only other one, really, apart from Fett. But his name's Bobber, so it wouldn't have worked. Right, G, moving on. Who's next? I've lost track. Me, Greedo. Brilliant. Straight in there, Greedo. General Medine, Gamgard. Nice. H, next one. Han Solo, Bespin Fatigues. Nice. Like the specifics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could have only been Han, couldn't it? Or, or Hammerhead. Right, there you go, Dan. How many hands are there? Uh, four <clears throat> five well done right moving on okay I IG88 or IG11 yeah sweet nice one yeah IG88 Imperial Gunner Imperial Snowtrooper Imperial Dignitary Imperial Commander but IG88 leading the field definitely right then J uh, Jabba oh yeah okay fair one yeah Jabba because the only other figure was Jawa yeah yeah nice yeah. one okay uh, Clatu. Uh, yeah, so moving on. Next one. L. It's got to be Luke Skywalker. Yes, absolutely, Mark. Absolutely. Luke Skywalker, Lobot, Lando, Leah, Lumat, Logray. But there you go, Mark. How many Lukes were there? What, in the vintage? Yeah. Six. Mm, Craig? How many Lukes were there? I guess it's seven, but I am Seven. There were seven Lukes. It's crazy, isn't it? Seven Lukes, five Leahs, five hands. So, yeah, seven loops. Right, crazy. Right, moving on. L, M, M. What we got for M? Maydean. Yeah, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you have that because I was starting to struggle. I was like, Max Rebo. Yeah, Maydean. We'll give you Maydean, definitely. Right, moving on to N. Uh, nine num. Yeah, go on. O. Organa. <laughs> yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, Leah Organa. That'll do. No, no lives lost yet. This is all good. P. Her incest, Leah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And as we've already said, there's five of them. Uh, Leah, uh, Power Joy, Papaloo, Prune Face. Nice. Q, are you all hoping that it's not you? <laughs> Dan, go on, is, Dan. It, is it me? Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, see, I had nothing. The only thing I could think of was Squidhead's name. I was going to say Queen Amidala, but I'd probably get shot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think uh, yeah. We'll we'll move on from Q. I think because Q, Q is a toughie, right? We've lost our life on Q. Ah, oh. rebellion, uh, rebel commando. <laughs> yeah, oh commando, nice. Yeah, oh, options: rebel soldier, commander, commando, and rancor keeper. R two D two, R five D four, Romba, little Stuart, uh, and Reese. So yeah, loads of ours. S. Uh, S, Snowtrooper. Yeah, yeah. Stormtroopers, no trooper, Squidhead, Star Destroyer, Commander. Stormtrooper, open brackets, off battle gear. <laughs> yeah. Sam Bursard, <laughs> Snaggletooth. God, so many to choose from. Go on in with a T. Tebow. Tebow, right, yeah, okay, nice. TIE Fighter Pilot, Tebow, Tuscan Raider, you. Nice. Ognaught. Yeah. V. Tricky one. <laughs> have to be a push vlicks oh yeah yeah not even not even having to push back out that hard on that probably want to reword that um yeah yeah i would say uh <laughs> i was struggling i wrote vintage in capital letters i, I then, did have villains three pack no oh 
Nice. <laughs> I'd even accept Vader. I'm in that sort of mood tonight. So uh, Vlix, Vlix, classic. W. Warwick. Nice. So what was that? Wicket, Warwick. Wicket, or, or Wicket, Warrell. W, Warwick. Warwick. <laughs> right, okay. There's lots of W's in there. Yeah. Warriors Man, Weakway, yeah, you name it. All sorts of stuff going on. And the final two, Y. Y-Wing. Uh, or um, Yub-Nub. <laughs> You've got loads of people screaming at the podcast now going, Yak Face. Or, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> or Yoda. But yeah, there we go. So yeah, Yub-Nub. <laughs> I'll take Yub-Nub. And uh, Z, bringing on home what we got for Z. Zuckus. Yeah. Ooh. Look at that. So there we go. Nice little icebreaker game for us. I love playing that. That's one of my little Star Wars Celebration Q games, you know? But I'm exhausted now. Can we stop? <laughs> yeah, it's time for bed. <laughs> right, yeah. So there we go. There we go. Hopefully you enjoyed that and people were joining in with us. Right, but as I said, this is all about a vintage. And, you know, we wanted to test our own knowledge, expand our own understanding, have a little bit of fun. You know, we wanted to think about all sorts of different vintage stuff. And we were thinking, right, what we'll do is we'll take it back to the very beginning to the very beginning and there's a certain element of law about this and um and in some cases mystique and, and possibly in some cases I, I would say the common perception or the common understanding of the situation um around the early bird certificate package and why why i might be now bringing something new to the mix which hadn't been considered by you guys star wars figures R2-D2. Chewbacca, Luke, and Princess Leia. They're the Star Wars early bird set of figures. These action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores. With this colorful Star Wars picture display stand and certificate, to send in to get a set of figures by mail. They'll be sent to you at home between February 1st and June 1st. The Star Wars early bird certificate package. New from Kenner. Dan. I talk about the early bird certificate package. Well, what is it? Yeah, so I'll do, I suppose, a short summary. So I suppose we've all been doing a bit of research on this, but a short summary of how it came to be in as well, I suppose, is I thought Stu had his notes for me. So so pre-Star Wars, movies weren't particularly popular with toy companies. Movies only um, had a short window um, in the cinemas, and once they were out, that kind of be it, and the, the opportunity to sell toys would have passed. So TV shows were the preferred uh, for, for toy makers because they'd beam into people's home and potentially air for weeks or months or even years. But traditionally, toy companies, if they were to develop something for a movie, they'd want like two years' notice. So they, they'd you know, sign a deal two years out, develop all of the toys and, and get it on the shelves for the release date. But due to security concerns at Lucasfilm, they only started licensing Star Wars maybe a year before its release, probably less than that. And by February of... 77 so you know three months before star wars was due to hit cinemas you had the likes of mattel hasbro ideal and a whole host of other star wars uh, toy companies that had turned down the star wars license so with only three months to go until its release the chips were really stacked against star wars ever having any toys produced but kenner had the foresight and in april 77 after pitching a set of three and three quarter inch action figures using 12 kitbash figures of the first 12 that we know and love, Kenner signed a deal to produce Star Wars toys. 
So in, in normal circumstances, it would take probably a year to sculpt, to get licensee approval, to create all the molds, to ship them out to Asia and produce the final products. But once Star Wars, you know, hit hit the cinemas and was a smash a little after a month of Kenner signing the deal, they had to throw everything at it to get the toys out to hit the uh, to hit the market. And they got the year down to around nine months by my calculation. So some of the dates are a bit iffy, but it looks like I did it in around nine months. So still wasn't fast enough to get them in stores ready for Christmas. But to fill that nine month gap, they did. They did two things. So they produced a, a range of, I suppose, picture-based products. So things like puzzles and board games and took existing Kenner products and, and rebranded them with Star Wars, which they called label slapping at Kenner. Um, but the, the the most controversial strategy, though, was the was the early bird certificate package. So that sold at retail in in, in the uh, in the US in late '77, with a deadline of the 31st of December 1977 for stores to stop selling it. Sold for between 10 and 15 dollars, and was essentially a promise to children that the toys were coming. Or for the cynical out there, it was a, a fancy IOU so that Kenner could start banking some cash. I, I can't find numbers on on how many of these were sold, but I read in Engineering and Empire one of the interviewees suggested that around half was sold but i think it would be safe to assume that tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of these were sold to children across america who woke up you know on december 25th 1977 to a star wars branded cardboard envelope but some despite some negative press about the promotion I don't think it can be seen as anything but a success and a, a testament to the power of Star Wars in, in 1977. I don't think too many other brands could probably get away with doing something like that either then or now. Um, but the, the early bird certificate itself is a it's a, a big cardboard envelope, big glossy cardboard envelope, measures about 19 inches by 9 inches. It's got the glossy um, concept artwork of the first 12 figures we're all familiar with from the back of the, the 12 back cards. And I think they use it on the logo still on SWFUK. It's got printed instructions on it on how to claim the figures and a certificate that was filled out, sent to Kenner with a promise that in so many months time, you'd receive, you'd be the first to receive the brand new action figures. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, it was the first opportunity for, for kids to get their hands on the action figures ahead of, ahead of any product being available in a nutshell <laughs> after all of that. Brilliant. Cheers for does that. that does does yeah. that lay it out well? No, that, that's perfect. No, I'm, in fact, I'm going to sort of fast forward to saying which... I was going to bring up um, later on because you've mentioned, oh, yeah, kids getting, you know, the kids to get these and the kids to get these. And uh, I'm just going to credit now. Um, it was uh, denofgeek.com. I was looking at some stuff there and they were they were having an interview with um, someone. It was John Beck or Mark Beck, someone like that, who, who had been a, a Kenner representative. And it said, even though Envisage's certificates has been placed under the tree and not opened until December the 25th, We've gotten a lot of them sent back to us already. Adults seemed interested in having the figurines themselves too. We've had a 26-year-old engineering student calling us and asking how soon they'll be ready, which made me think about us and made me think about, you know, here we go, the old fossils and, and people now who are collected modern as adults. So, yeah, we, we envisaged this, and it was obviously designed for kids for Christmas, but, yeah, it didn't stop adults buying them well in advance of Christmas. But, no, that's great. That's perfect. However... I, I'm going to bring something up now, which might just turn things on its head slightly. Because, yes, that's the the story. That's the experience that I've been told. You know, you, I'm looking through what was it, the um, concept screen to collectibles book, and it's in there, lovely pictures and stuff, and it says Kenner couldn't get many toys out for Christmas in '97, so it sold an empty box, the early bird certificate package with cardboard stage. So the figures would arrive a few months later. That said, 
Now, I'm going to refer you guys to the Craig Miller book. Now, Star Wars Memories, and you know that I've spoken to you about this book, which I'm reading. Yeah, Star Wars Memories, My Time in the Death Star Trenches by Craig Miller, who was the first head of fan relations at Lucasfilm. So this guy was working at Lucasfilm. Now, if you don't mind, I'm just going to read it exactly from, directly from the book, because he's turned this completely on its head, well, from his point of view. You'll hear the beautiful sound of a page turn. The official story is that Kenner couldn't make the toys in time. By the time it was known what a big hit Star Wars was, it was too late to get them made and shipped. That story never made any sense to me. Even if they didn't know how many toys they'd need, even if they thought Star Wars would just be another toy line in their inventory, it was a license, and they'd have wanted to have toys in stores the year it came out. Two Christmases later, if the movie hadn't been a huge success, no one would remember it. It was my belief and I've had it unofficially confirmed by people at Kenner at the time, that they were worried about their bottom line. Kenner also had the license for the $6 million man and the bionic woman. They'd been doing very well with that line and had expected it to be their big Christmas seller. If there were Star Wars toys on the shelves, the bionic toys would have gone unsold, the stores would have returned them, and Kenner would have had an enormous loss on that brand. The success of Star Wars as a film would have hurt them terribly. They needed to be able to sell those bionic action figures. They came up with an astonishing plan. A designer at Kenner came up with the idea of selling a big sheet of cardboard with photos of the first action figures in the Star Wars line. Buying it, you've got to promise that you'll receive four of the figures as soon as they were ready, sometime in February. Brackets, although they actually ended up starting to ship them in January, so quite soon after Christmas, funny old thing. He then goes on to say, Kids wanted the Star Wars toys, so parents brought these promissory notes by the carload. But you can't just give a kid a picture of a toy and say Merry Christmas. You had to give them something they could play with under the tree. So the six million dollar man and bionic woman toys still sold that Christmas. It was brilliant. What do you think about that? I'm not so sure. I think it's a bit convoluted. I think the original reasoning is possibly the more believable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, for me, anyway, why would you not want to make money out of a line that you'd invested in as soon as possible? It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, why would you not want both lines to sell? Yeah. It's entirely feasible that both lines would sell. You'd still have fans of bionic man and still have fans of star wars people would probably buy a bit of both so yeah. yeah i'm not i'm not sure whether that makes any sense to me see to me i read it and i was like wow you know that that does make sense i thought they were worried about these you know colonel steve austin lee major figures and it was bionic women jamie summers they were worried about them being peg warmers like the old clatu mm. or, or or you know just stuck there in Woolworths. So they were they were slightly concerned, but the whole oh yeah you know you can't just give a kid an envelope, just give an envelope. Whereas if they had physical toys, would parents have been buying the bionic ones and the stoles ones? I don't know. The whole bionic range did come out in in seventy six and seventy seven, so it seems entirely plausible to me. And bearing in mind that that's in Miller's book, and he was fan relations at Lucasfilm. I mean, that's quite a big thing to chuck into your book. If, well, if it's not true. I had Star Wars toys and I had Action Man and I had Lego. I, I didn't not have one thing because another thing was out. It was a, a toy company can't operate on just selling, just concentrating on one thing. They have to have different strings to the bow. 
if they put all their eggs in one basket, Palatoy, for instance, you, you're going to end up in trouble. So I, I'm not so sure. I, I, don't, I don't quite buy it, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I'm, I don't disbelieve it, but I highly buy it. Just to... <laughs> but to say, when you look at the turnaround of figures even today, so like if you take, I don't know, The Mandalorian as an example and Baby Yoda, how long it took bearing in mind the secrecy around that it took him what six seven eight months to get that out and he's probably done that with a foot down as well that you know if they didn't sign the if Kenner didn't sign the deal until april you know they still done well to get them out in january so i don't think they were they were they were hanging around and it was a it was a brand new toy concept as well the three and three quarter inch figure there was a lot to go into it this wasn't like based on some existing action figure templates this was brand new yeah, I mean, I think it, it certainly adds a new perspective and not something I've heard before. He he was there in the thick of it and I wasn't. So <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's it's a very valid, valid view. But I, I think a lot of companies that, you know, they all have to tread this line where they're not cannibalizing their own brands across a category. So it won't be it wouldn't have been a new thing for Kenner to have three toy ranges out that all appeal to boys of a certain age, for instance. So I, I think that's something that, that companies like, like Kenner and Palatoy, they, they navigate anyway. Yeah, no, Phil, I just thought I'd throw it in there because on a Reddit, I was like, wow, kind of blew my mind. I'd be very interested to uh, to get some listener feedback on this and thoughts. You know, this is what you said, Dan, is is what everyone says. As I said, Sansweet's got it in his book. It's on SWAC, um, sorry, Star Wars Collector's Archives. And, um, you know, it, it's the known reason for for the early bird to exist. So to yeah. have something like that, it, it'd be really interesting to see what our uh, our listeners and others within, within the collecting community think about that scoop from Craig Miller. <laughs> but <laughs> there we go. So, Mark, you know, can you can you break down the early bird certificate? I know Dan's told us a bit about what it was, but what did it completely include when you got the set? And, uh, and what do you know, mate? In, in this rather sort of elaborate, long envelope, uh, which was sort of brightly, uh, got bright graphics on, um, you've got a display stand, a figure stand, uh, which was a bit of flimsy cardboard in all honesty, with some pegs. The club card, which was like a, a membership card for a, like a club or something like that, which again, not a great deal of um, imagination gone into that. Some stickers, which again, the stickers just weren't that great, I, I, I don't think. Could have done so much more with that. I mean, that was only artwork, really, so they could have knocked something together a bit better for that. The certificate, the, the coupon, which you sent in as soon as you got the envelope, you filled your little coupon and, and, and sent it off, and then that's when you were supposedly uh, down for uh, the first set of four figures. Okay, awesome. Uh, and going on from that then, so you send off your figures. How long? I mean, I know I've just said a little bit actually from the Miller thing, but what was the original plan for delivery for these after Christmas? Uh, well, I think they, well, I think it already been mentioned, but they started being sent out in January. So you didn't have that long to wait. The first figures to hit the shelves the first four were Leia, R2, Luke and Chewbacca and the rest of the figures the rest of the range of first 12 started hitting the shops sort of springtime early springtime so uh, if you did have an early bird certificate and um, you were lucky enough to get hold of the figures you would have had <laughs> exclusive play rights for them for a good couple of months at least yeah yeah how wow wow how would you have felt with that? That would have been, yeah. You know, it was such the big hit, wasn't it? You would have been, I, I remember 
when the uh, next wave of Jedi figures came out and the first kid in our school to have a Camorian guard, he was the most popular kid in the school that day. You know, that's how Star Wars was back then. So uh, to have the first four months in advance, yeah, man, that must have been awesome. Well, Craig, moving on to you, buddy. And this is a minefield. <laughs> Your favourite. Um, so baggies, you know, if, if someone's looking at collecting this and they've got the tray, you've got the figures... Um, you know what baggies are we looking at buddy because um, yeah not my bag I well, we've talked about the stage we've talked about the action figures we've talked about the certificate set but what people really want to know about is the baggies don't they they want to know they want to know what these things came in <laughs> so technically there were five baggies obviously four for the figures and one for the little pegs that came that were to touch it touch your figures to the to the stage now by very definition these early bird sets came with the very first can of star wars baggies so to properly you know discuss this we need to understand the different types of baggies that came out of the kenner factory during those early years so I, i'm going to do this i'm going to go there i'm going to list i'm going to just run through the types of baggies that we're talking about so they've been categorized by star wars academics as swa to swe so SWA, which is the very first type of baggie, came out in 1978. Had white horizontal text that said "Made in Hong Kong," sealed with tape, and it was kind of a crispy bag. So if you uh, if you rattled it with your fingers, it would make a crispy sound. The SWB again was kicking around in 78. That had black vertical "Made in Hong Kong" text that was heat sealed as opposed to tape sealed, and that was a soft bag. Didn't wasn't a crispy one. SWC, that was still around in 78, but into 79. And that had blue Kenner horizontal General Mills G type. That was heat sealed. Again, that was a crispy bag. SWD, which was around 78, 79. That had a black horizontal made in Hong Kong uh, text. That was heat sealed. And that was a soft type of bag. Now, the SWE, that was later. That was 79 to 80. Blue horizontal made in Hong Kong. It was heat sealed. And that was a crispy bag. But we're not going to concern ourselves with SWE because that was a bit later. So you won't find an early bird uh, set with that uh, that particular baggie. So two factors can contribute to variations in an early bird set. Uh, one, the fact that these are fulfilled and mailed out over a number of months. And Doris in the factory would have fulfilled this order with whatever bag figures were on the line that day. And the other factor is that a lot of these may have been pieced together after the fact to sell to collectors. So they're kind of legit enough if they, if they fall into those... Uh, falling to the right dates, but they're not guaranteed to have been how it was originally mailed. Are you all with me so far? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a fair <laughs> assumption as well. Okay, so the purest and the most unadulterated set. So if you imagine on the factory floor that first morning, they're knocking those figures out, they would all be in uh, SWA baggies. Uh, and if you find an early bird kit that's got a beautifully matching set of four baggies, then they're rarer and they command quite a premium. Anything else from that, they can come in a variation from SWA to SWD, depending on kind of when it was mailed. Um, there's an oddity in there. Chewbacca is the only one to have known to have come uh, in a textless bag. Um, but if you've got an early bird set and you've got baggies in there that are recognised more around Empire or Jedi eras, you know that's been pieced together after the, uh, after the event. So that's, a, that's an overview. This is a big topic. Um, and lots of people much cleverer than me have kind of done the research so i'm just going to point the listeners to a couple of links uh one is uh, swspaceclub.com slash mailaways slash early bird kit and the other is ventnorbeach.smugmug.com slash collectibles slash early bird 
COOs. So if you Google something vaguely like that, you'll come up to a couple of sites that will give you a lot more detail than I've just done. Wow, mate, that's awesome. And and two sites which are definitely not checked out in the past. So thanks ever so much for that. Brilliant. Now, Dan, you know, we talked about baggies and I said already about the tray. I, I know from... Um, not from experience, but from uh, from what I've been told, that these trays can be extremely fragile and quite brittle, quite easy to damage. Now, there's something in the back of my head which tells me that, have you got one of these certificates? I don't think you've got the set of, of figures, but do you have the certificate? I've got the, yeah, I've got the certificate package, the the envelope. Yeah, yeah. Now, was that it, one of the more recent Father's Rums, which we were actually able to attend in person? No, that was from Facebook. I think it actually it was james martin that put me onto it so he um really? i was going to buy his off of him but he wanted too much money for it and uh, someone was selling a, a a not as nice one as what he had and uh, pointed me in the direction of it a nice right. little nod to james there you know when you got this when you got this off facebook how from a collecting point of view bearing in mind that you know this was an american thing it wasn't a uk so you you've got it because i, I don't know is you haven't purchased it from a nostalgia point of view clearly but it's been purchased because it's just it's one of the big ones, isn't it? It's you know you talk about the vinyl kick jowers and the the law, the the uh, you know the, the stories and the tales and the curating which can come with a, a, um, a collection. I guess a why did you buy it? And then b when you had it, how did it make you feel? Did you did you want to find out more or, or what? So I think you, you hit an nail on the head, and you you know you talk about creating your collection, and you know if you bring someone around your collection and you're showing them stuff, you know you want to be able to almost tell the story of a vintage star wars and it is the it's the first time isn't it everything starts with that you can be you know we're all a little bit snobbish about british and releases and palatoy but everything goes back to that to that envelope i think and it was i think i was going with my brother to see rise of skywalker and he hadn't been in my collection room for a while and he came in and i've got it in a nice case gw acrylic case and he he came in and said well what's that and you know i kind of told him about it he was actually interested for once and (laughs) it, it, it is it is a talking piece it does look really good but yeah, for me, it was it was more about yeah, just I suppose just um, the, having that as a, like a, an historical moment. I've got no nostalgic attachment to it, but like you say, you know, we've been doing talking lots about all of these collecting books. Every single one, I think, has got a, a piece in there about the the early bird certificate. It's it's, it's an important piece, I think. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, for me, there's no nostalgia from my childhood, but it is where it all began, and I do remember seeing one at Farthest from. I don't think I was wildly off with this, but I think someone was going to sell it for about £400, maybe. Clearly it wasn't complete, but it was it was just uh, pretty much uh, the envelope and, and the artwork. And I am denied about it, and I was thinking about it, I was thinking about it, and it might have been one of those things where towards the end of the show, if it hadn't have gone, I might have, you know, really, really thought about pulling a plug on that. And no, it went, and it went by someone someone within the community who we know it, it, it didn't just go off to a stranger i'm trying to think who who it was who bought it can anyone remember i, th- I think it might have even been simon who sold it simon bought one off me but it was at um echo live a couple of years ago right and i actually obtained it from a, a private sale and the guy i bought it off just had loads of modern stuff a couple of vintage bits in there but nothing to really write home about and um when I went round, I completely just put it to one side because I thought automatically it was the Hasbro re-release, you know, the one that it yeah. put out years ago, because it was in immaculate condition. And I just thought, ah, it's, it's, it's a new one. I put it to one side. 
Anyway, when I got back home a few days later, I was going through the stuff, and I, I looked at this kit. I was trying to find the Hasbro logo on the on the envelope. I was thinking, this is original, and I couldn't believe it that this that this envelope was the original was the real deal. And I'd looked at it. I thought, my God, is it a repro? I thought, no, it can't be a repro. If it's a repro, it's the best one I've ever seen. And yeah, it was uh, it was the real deal. And Simon had that off me, and I think he got rid of his one. Well, it was like an upgrade, so he might have sold it at farthest from. Ah, right, yeah, okay. Oh, no, what what an amazing story! I mean, mate, I oh my god, I'm I'm I'm, I'm buzzing and I'm grinning from ear to ear thinking about that for you because that's 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 one of those dreams, isn't it? That's one of those results where you're just like, yeah, awesome, cash back. The thing was, I just kind of tossed it to one side. I, obviously, I didn't fling it, but I just put it to one side and didn't really kind of treat it with any reverence. It was it was just, I thought, oh, it's it's a nice thing to have because um, it, it, it looks like the real deal. I didn't realise it was the real deal. <laughs> so, you, so you got that and then sold it on. So do you not own one of those? Or do you? No, right. It's not. It's not within the remit of my kind of collecting. Right, I, I okay. sold for UK stuff, yeah. uh, with the odd exception. But for me, no. It, it doesn't really light any fire for me, the early bird. I understand that it's a key part of the whole Kenner, Star Wars, you know, toy collecting ethos. You know, that whole... It's a very, very important piece. I, I, I don't dispute that for one second but for me personally i have no connection with it so it's not something that i would want to own fair one okay yeah uh craig do you do you have one of these i do have one of these mm. i do it's heavily heavily into power of the force 2 um, i was collecting through phantom menace attack of the clones sort of tailing off a little bit into Revenge of the Sith, but space, not space as in the final frontier, but physical space in my uh, in my attic, just meant that I had to do some serious pruning. So I took the decision to sort of cut off my collecting at sort of in that nice convenient line between vintage and modern, and I sold 80%, 90% of my modern uh, figures, ships, creatures, vehicles, everything in one big job lot to uh, to a dealer for you know, a decent sum of money. It was by no means what I paid for it, but I had I think it was like eight or nine hundred pounds in my hand that I knew I was never going to have that opportunity again to kind of spend that kind of money on on a thing. You know, what thing would I would I buy with, with, with that money that I would never otherwise kind of go go chasing. And it was the early birds. I, I kind of always, for, for the reasons Dan has, has, has kind of said, it's it just occupies that place as a as a great story, as a sort of iconic beginning of everything. So I went on eBay with this with this cash, and there was a seller there, and he was selling the kit, so the certificate. But no, it was the certificate, the envelope, but he actually had two. He had two of the the card stages and the kit with everything in it with an extra R2 in a baggie, and the only thing sort of amiss with that was the coupon had been clipped, which I didn't mind because, you know, it shows that it was it was kind of used. And the guy, I bought this off the guy, uh, and he drove up from, uh, I can't remember where he came from, but sort of London way, he, he drove up to Leamington um, to hand-deliver this thing. So it just, it was a very, very special item, very kind of special moment, and, um, yeah, I really love having it, and it looks a million dollars in... Uh, in a GW acrylic case, it, it is it is American. I don't have that link to it. I don't have that kind of. There's that special Star Wars source that it's dripping in, but 
yeah, I, it's it's a great piece, great piece. Mark's had one, pass one on. Dan's got one. You've got this. I mean, I, I just quite clearly you need to sort yourself out. I need to pull my finger out. What's going on, Alanson? All right then. So Dan, this set we talk about the figures. Now, one of the key things here is the um, is the Luke. Is that you know we we talk about the set included a, a DT Luke. You know, most of our listeners will know what that is. However, I have seen it online where people have come unstuck and and thought a regular Luke action figure was a was a DT. Can you just briefly explain um, the the different variants which we had coming with this? In the yeah, so to the 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 standard you know Luke Skywalker farm boy, whatever you want to call him, he's got obviously got a yellow lightsaber, and most people will have one that's just got a I suppose a, a little tip on it. And until a few years ago, I just thought that was a kind of a <laughs> where they uh, where they clipped it off the. Uh, out of the molds in the factories and it was just a spare bit of plastic but there's there's obviously more of a story to it than that so that 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 bit of plastic that hangs there on the on the dt actually is is a separate part to the to the lightsaber so where the lightsaber is almost tubular there's a there's a, a longer piece of plastic that slides out extending the lightsaber so you have your your single telescoping lightsaber that you pull the handle under luke's arm and it slides out of his arm and then you've got this extending piece of plastic then that becomes the double telescoping and they're the ones that came with most early bird kits the hardest ones to get obviously the ones that everyone wanna, wants to get their double telescoping variant there's more luke's out there than anything else because most of those early bird kits did come with the dt saber obviously uh they decided that that, that wasn't a practical uh, uh weapon um in terms of cost to produce it was fiddly and i think it broke easily so when they came to carding figures there weren't too many luke's on cards with a dt um and even less Darth faders and bends because they weren't um in the early bird kit yeah, indeed. So what what you're alluding to there was there there were a few Luke non or single telescoping uh, sabers in the early bird kits, but yeah, the um, what most people associate with and uh, and are after are the double. Yeah, brilliant. It's interesting because I just pulled one of my, my, my twelve backs down, and there is a little um, next illustration of the twelve figures on the back. There's a how to work the lightsaber. And it, 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 on the back of the card, it's actually got the TT lightsaber on there and how to extend it out and then pull the kind of filament that, that sits in the middle of the saber and slide it out. So there was obviously intentions right at the start to have those <laughs> yeah. carded. Well, I've, I've said it before. I always used to snap the ends off the lightsaber because I want them on or I want them off. I don't want them sort of half just dripping out the end of your hand. So I, I would, um, yeah... I was always cutting those off when I was a kid, and um, I, I say that with dread now. Craig, mate, I was having a little look. I was trying to see if I could see anything on Tracker, but how, how often have these been coming up for sale? Obviously, you've got yours. Yeah, so how often do they come up for sale, and what is the going rate if there is such a thing? Yeah, I looked on Tracker as well, and I don't don't know whether it, it covers the early bird sets unless it's sort of hidden in the in the redesign. But I don't think they come up as often as they used to. I think as well because it's such an iconic piece. It's been very much parodied. So Mark mentioned there was a 2005 Hasbro did a, a version with modern figures. There's a gentle giant jumbo version, and there's the classic Angry Birds early bird set. So if you go to uh, eBay and start looking for these things, it's it's muddied by a lot of that kind of nonsense. But you know there is there is stuff there. So going through sort of what's on eBay at the moment, there's a there's a, a live auction for a UK graded certificate package and the certificate and the bits and pieces in the envelope. Um, and that's up there for £2,200. There's no bids on it. I'm sat there with a couple of days left to go. 
There was one which sold back in July. So again, this is the twelve back display stand had the envelope with it, but none of the none of the sort of uh, the bits and pieces that sold for an offer less than five hundred and fifty. Just just for those pieces, you see odd bits uh, for sale that that kind of help people complete the set. So the uh, we talked about catalogs uh, a few shows ago. The early bird catalog, which was a distinct catalog that, that just came with that. That sold eighth uh, of July for hundred pounds. So even the little even the little uh, catalogs go for serious money. There's one here that, that claims it was sold September, so very uh, recently, and this had everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the baggies were, were open, but all the figures were there. All the bits of paperwork, stickers, the mailer box, the, the certificate package, and the and the figure set. And that was uh, sold for five thousand five hundred. So that's a kind of sort of cross section on on eBay. I did look in a couple of the groups. Yeah, uh, I think in the IC there was one uh, which was just the just the mailer set, which was you know had had some issues, but it was it was kind of all there. Obviously, it didn't come with the certificate, but that they were asking uh, three thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars for that. No takers that I could see. And then there was another one which was uh, very similar, didn't have the baggie, so just loose figures. Um, and that got snapped up at uh, 1200 So it's uh, all of it's a lot more than I paid for in, uh, in, in 2012. As you say, that's, that's quite a mixture from being able to get the, the smallest samples through to, you know, huge kits and stuff. You quite clearly, in the last eight years, prices have just exponentially just gone up incredibly, haven't they? And, and as you said, to you back in the day, in 2012, it was a considerable amount of money to spend anyway, but... Did you just? What was the last thing you said about had the figures but not the baggies? Yeah, so it's got a, this one had a set of it's ungradable because the the, the figures weren't in the baggies and it was yeah. missing the but it was a good starter set. So what did they have? Because that that price to me seemed in the whole um, scheme of manoeuvre for Star Wars vintage collecting at the moment that actually seemed a reasonable price. Sorry. So it was it was uh, so you got the mailer box the tray figures you've got the catalogue and you've got the certificate uh, there's the coupon and a dt luke uh i'm just looking see if that's a dt luke i assume non-dt luke is what i was gonna say that that yeah that seems yeah a real bargain uh, a c3po would say it's in it's in an acrylic case and it and it's you know but it looks great it looks good awesome I have a I have a question. We talked about the figures, uh, and we've talked about how these were, you know, the first ones out there. Do we think, and do we know whether these were a considered mix of four figures? So they went, who should we put out first, or whether indeed they were? It was dictated by the fact that they were the first ones off the production. Because if you look at if you look at figures like R two, he's got a vac metalized dome there's some assembly there with the screw and the clicking and uh leah's got a vinyl cape and another extra element you know w- would they realistically be the first ones off the production line given that there was a bit more work or do you think they went people are going to go nuts for these let's have the hero and the uh, and the heroine and the big alien and the little robot that's a good mix do, do you think they got the mix right i've got a theory go on so you know the, if you Picture the concept art in your head, the, the, you know, the, the, the graphic they use on the front. So they're the 12 figures. So you've got Tuscan Raider, C-3PO. This is in the order they're, they're, they're from, from left to right. Death Squad Commander, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, R2-D2, Vader, Stormtrooper, Ben, and Jawa. 
the middle four figures are Chewbacca, Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, and R2-D2. So I think someone said, just do the middle four. (laughs) (laughs) I like that theory. (laughs) Craig, it's a great question, and far more eloquently put than I would have put, because in my notes I just said, do we have the right ones? From my point of view, I mean, Luke was a given, wasn't he? I mean... You had to have Luke. Chewbacca was just uh, such a believable alien in in this alien world. I think Chewbacca was also an, an absolute given. Yes, you had the uh, the heroine as Leah, and I just think it was it's R two D two story, isn't it? And it's just something a little bit different, rather than another person or someone of the similar height. So I think that there was a lot of play there. You know, people could argue, or oh, what about Vader? And you know, stormtroopers or so, but for me, yeah, it was all about Luke Skywalker at the time. I, I was far more interested as in the, as a young kid in Luke than I was Han. What, what, what are your thoughts? I think I think perhaps as well to Dan's point, you know, the the artwork and the and the pre production stuff we'd all seen had had Luke and Leah front and center, didn't it? Absolutely. I'm not sure why Chewie was in there. I'd have put maybe a villain in there, so maybe a stormtrooper. So at least you could have battles. You got four good guys in there right from the off, so they're all going to be sat around being friends. I think it would have been better uh, to have maybe two good guys and two villains. So maybe I, I don't know a stormtrooper and a Tuscan raider or something like that, just to mix it up a bit. I agree on that. I agree yeah. absolutely. If you, I mean, if you were to mix it up, you could say put an alien, like a Chewbacca, a Tuscan raider, or a Jawa, um, a villain. You're free to choose from a hero and a droid, and you kind of get one of each. Then, yeah, I just think. Having four good guys right from right from the outset is what 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 kind of games are you going to have with that? It's um, it, it's you know you it's Star Wars. It's not Star Friends. It's um, it's combat. <laughs> Tuscan would have been good, wouldn't it? Because Tuscan has interaction. Some people have interaction with R two D two and also have a fight with Luke Skywalker. So that could have been a good one. That could have been, yeah, that could have been. So you've got R2-D2 having interactions with Princess Leia and with Luke. So so that would have worked. So I think, yeah, you could mix out Chewie for Tusken Raider. And also Chewie without Han Solo. It's like uh, having, I can't think of an analogy off the top of my head, but... Um, Hot dog without mustard. Yeah, Chewie without Han Solo just doesn't, it just looks a bit odd. Or maybe you could just be really cynical and say they gave you good guys, so the weekend after when they hit the shelves, you'd want to go out and buy the bad guys. Uh, it's, it's, it's all driven by the dollar, isn't it? So, yeah, maybe there's a reason for that. So what else have you guys seen then? What else do you know? Because there, there is a great deal of information out there. Star Wars Collector's Archive is just Harry Rammers with all sorts of stuff. Um, there's, as I said, that um, the website I checked out earlier on, what Craig has said. So, you know, I've said to you guys, right, go out and have a little look. And, uh, and what can you bring back to the party? What have you seen? Um, I've got a question, rather cool, than something that I've, I've, I've seen. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you. Why did we never get one for the UK market, like Palatoy? Why didn't Palatoy knock something out? Good question. Is it just a timing issue? You know, by the time we got the film that Christmas, was it Christmas 77, December? I suppose, you know, it wasn't. When did it come out? Did it come out Christmas Day or Boxing Day? No. Was it was the first screenings or? The, the first showings, press screenings for Star Wars in this country were autumn. Uh, so, so late summer, autumn, going in, in, into October. It then started hitting provincial 
uh, theatres up and down the country uh, several months after that. So going into uh, January, December, January, February 1978. So, you know, it's not like cinema now where it's all like a... Mm. It's released all, all at the same time. Things didn't happen like that back then. Uh, there was several months delay between, you know, getting it over from the Atlantic. There could be a reason for that uh, that Palatoy didn't. But they'd still Palatoy would still be on the back foot, wouldn't they, with the toys? Because I remember them really struggling to fulfil demand when the films hit. So there was still an option for them to do something with the. Uh, or something similar to an early bird certificate, uh, given that, you know, Kenner's success with it, uh, they, they'd sold God knows how many for basically what was a, essentially a piece of cardboard. It, it might be cultural. It might it might be that they just didn't think that that would fly in the UK market. I mean, I can't imagine my mum going out and buying a, a, a big envelope <laughs> for me for Christmas. <laughs> no, you're right. Now, my dad... Was- <laughs> having a go at saying half the cost of the figure was in the packaging and he was all he'd always moan about god look at look at the size of the figure and look how big the piece of card is i think from my sources in the uk a general release was actually day after boxing day it was the 27th so again you know everything you said with regards to palatoy timing etc but if the film didn't come out until after christmas on general release then yeah there would there would have been no real take-up I guess at that stage, so we would have still been smashing into you know early Lego or, or um, Action Man and stuff like that. I'm glad they didn't have this half-assed early bird thing. I remember walking <laughs> into the toy department of a department store and seeing it all for the first time, and that was my introduction to the to the Star Wars range. It wasn't some kind of like oh, it was a little illustration of a little funny man and I flipped the coupon, and you know it was just I, I wouldn't swap that experience seeing that stuff for the first time. And imagine how much they'd go for now if they did with a Palatoy logo on it. We know we have Palatoy Death Stars made of cardboard and stuff. So this Kenner cardboard envelope, you know, we would have probably had a plastic one, wouldn't we? Because we just did like to turn it on his head. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was having a little look on Star Wars Collector's Archive because, you know, these things are rare enough. They are. Could you say they're, they're rare? Bearing in mind, half of us have got them. But no, they're, they're extremely sought after. They, I would still say that condition-wise, yeah, these are extremely hard to find pieces. Uh, you could probably find them at Star Wars um, Celebration room sales for sale, but they don't come up that often. But certainly what you don't see come up for sale is what I've seen on Star Wars Collector's Archive, which is the bin and header. So shop display bin and header and the chromalin for the uh, bin and header on um, on Star Wars Collector's Archive. So some certainly some uh, some incredible prototype bits and pieces there. So for people to go and check out that. The only other thing which I was going to mention, it wasn't just Luke who uh, who differed. You know, we spoke about the DT and then the non-DT. Any of you aware of anything else within the figures which is different or, or changed throughout the range of the early bird? It was the colour of R2's dome, the blue, or was like a slightly different colour blue, and the um, and Chewie's gun. Yeah, green. yeah, it was. That's right. It was. It was the Chewie's gun, which I was thinking more of. It's because it was moulded in a dark green plastic instead of the normal sort of blue black. The latest versions, which then had the regular Luke non telescope in, then had a normal Chewbacca gun. So, yeah, definitely something to look out for as well in the, in the baggies, um, as to what colour is is Chewie's gun. 
But um, yeah, fantastic. I really do need to pull my finger out. I don't think I'll ever be able to get one of the trays with the figures. However, to get the early bird certificate, as you say, framed up just in a bit of acrylic is, is a nice thing to, to have in the collection where the whole thing began. Uh, yeah, definitely something which I would uh, I'd look to get in, in my collection, for sure. You came nothing? You're braver than I thought. Nice, come on. Well, we're going to move on. And, uh, and this is the thing which uh, it was brought to my attention just from general chit chat on Facebook Messenger where people have said, oh, have you seen this? And it was, um, mm, I really, really don't like mispronouncing people's names, but it's Neil Gaisley's uh, post. He had, um, he put a post on about something which he had purchased and then sold on. So, so Craig, I'm going to come straight to you. What did Neil have for auction? What did he have for auction? He, ha- he had a boxed Palatoy Landspeed, which was there's nothing particularly remarkable about the toy itself. It looks to be complete. And the box was on the tatty side, by no means a pristine example of, uh, of the packaging. Um, but what caught everyone's attention was a dirty great big sticker on the front. So this sticker, how best describe this, it, it was... You know, large for the box. You know, if you imagine the the inside of the racetrack, it, it went from uh, the racetrack at the bottom right up to the to the nameplate Landspeeder, uh, and and sort of took up, I would say, about a third of the the box. There's no no mistaking that the, the this this uh, this box came with a special offer, and it was for a a mini action figure, and it was Boba Fett, and it was free. So the way that they were promoting this, just to sort of read what was actually put on the sticker, free Boba Fett mini action figure, the bounty hunter from the exciting new Star Wars film, The Empire Strikes Back, actual size three and three quarter inches, articulated limbs and rotating head. Cut out this panel and send it with your name and address plus 20p towards postage and packing to the Palto company and the address there and a few bits illegal. So very much kind of along the lines of the Bounty Hunter uh, catalogue uh, that we've talked about before and other sort of on-pack um, promotions. Um, and it's very, very arresting as a, as a piece of work. It's, uh, it's bright red. It's got a starburst zigzaggy edge. It's got free there in a, in a very 70s kind of brush script. And it's got uh, a Boba Fett on there that's a sort of single color line drawing that um, I think Mark described it as looking like they've got the work experience kid to draw it. So if you think of the, uh, if you think of the, the classic poster of uh, the airbrushed uh, Fett, that kind of ran with this promotion they, they probably had sight of that to kind of roughly get the pose and the angle but um yeah it's not it's not uh, the best example of, of palatoy art you will see out there but obviously very unusual and got a lot of people very excited yeah fantastic and i'm um, sorry where was this I, I said that you'd put it up for auction but i didn't actually specify it was on facebook or it wasn't yeah it was auction it was on facebook it was on facebook and it was on was it on echo it's on echo auctions Yes, it was. It was on Echo Auctions. Yeah, because it reappeared on the uh, Imperial Commissary, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, put on a couple of different sites. Now, Mark just chips in in the back. Mark, you bid on this, didn't you? I did, um, and I, I, I really want, <laughs> really wanted it, but I knew my bid of uh, whatever I put in was going to get blown out of the water because I there was a valuation thread before, obviously, the um, auction post, and I was the first person to comment, and I knew right from the outset that was going to be a thousand pound piece easily. I'll let Dan fill you in with uh, how much it went for, but um, yeah, I was uh, I was way off. 
but it was it was a piece that I would I would really love I would really love to get hold of that particular sticker because it's a pal toy offer and it's Empire Strikes Back. It just ticks all my boxes. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? A lot of people wouldn't have seen this before. I mean, so where had it been seen? Where 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 was this? You know, how how had this been catalogued in the past? Incredibly rare. I have seen it on Slave One Box several years ago, but I cannot find any photographic reference for it anywhere. But weirdly, uh, the two places that it is catalogued before this land speeder is on two 12 inch figures a Dennis Fisher a Stormtrooper and a Palatoy Princess Leia box. 12-inch figure. So whether it's a Palatoy generic offer that went nationwide or whether whether it is a store-specific special offer, like a regional special offer or a chain store or whatever, I don't know. There's so little known about it. There's just no way of knowing. But there's there's so few of these stickers anywhere. It's it's such an unusual and rare uh, thing to find. I'm just not surprised everybody went absolutely um, uh, mental for it. So it is one of those ones where as soon as you saw it with your collecting knowledge, you were like, bam, I know exactly what that is. Because that's something which I haven't seen for a long time. Or did it take you a couple of looks no, well, uh, the, the, there's quite a few people that were questioning the how legitimate it was, and uh, you know, th- there's no question in my mind that that, that was 100% legitimate. It was uh, it's, it's not nothing repressed. Uh, a lot of people had said they'd never seen it before. Like I say, it's so rare, it's so unusual to find on any box. Uh, and it's so little is known about it. I mean, pa- Palatoy's Boba Fett offer is is, is almost almost <laughs> mythological uh, in its rarity. Yeah. Uh, so few existing pieces left now uh, that so little is known about it. And this is part and parcel of that offer. So it's very, very unusual. So I'm not surprised a lot of people have never seen it before. We said that the guy then initially put up a evaluation thread. So ticking all the boxes, doing all the right things, gaining some interest in the first place. And you know what people like, people talk and, and stuff, and people have said, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen this? There's probably people, oh, can you tag me when it comes available and, and whatnot, I'm sure. But Dan, he auctioned this off, and what value did it reach? It did reach the staggering sum of £2,250, just shy of $3,000. So yeah, a uh, <laughs> hefty sum, but yeah. a, a real nice sticker. It is. It does look superb, and I mean, you know, I'm I'm no fan of the knowledge, but I've I've, I've never seen that before. And you know, you, you kind of every day's a school day in Star Wars almost, and these, these things are popping up all the time. It seems that there's wow, I've not seen that before. And then you look on the SWCA, and there's a there's a page on it. <laughs> I suppose you know, there's no beating around the bush. I think I think the, the the other draw to this story was I suppose a little bit around how the the seller conducted himself a little bit after the sale. And I you know I don't know this guy Neil, um, and I, you know I'm not going to bad mouth the guy, but he, he did raise a few eyebrows because he. He kind of went around Facebook after the sale, posting how much he'd sold it for and, and how much he originally paid for it the day before from a neighbour or, or maybe a week before, which was a bit bit of a, an odd thing to do. I think we've all had a, a touch now and then and, and got a deal on something and, and, you know, whether it's on eBay and then, you know, made made a couple of quid on it. But this was uh, pretty staggering that he paid 30 quid 
for it off his neighbour and sold it a week later for nearly two and a half grand. You know, everyone's entitled to do what they want. And, you know, you've got to question your morals sometimes or things like that, especially if it's your neighbour. And I think, yeah, it's uh, it certainly raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, you'd think, hmm, okay, you, you probably maybe want to soften the, the, the sort of the glut and the smug mode by maybe, I don't know, saying, yeah, I've, I've done really, really well. I've massively lucked in. Sold it for this because this is what it's achieved. And I, I, don't, I don't know whether or not you could say, right, and actually I'm happy with this much, so I'm going to do a little, a good deed or pay it back somehow or do something or other. But yeah, just to say, hey, hey, I'm the king of flippers. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's what it's done there. It's just left a bit of a sour taste in some people's mouth. But I mean... I must admit, I must admit I've never known anybody do that after selling a piece uh, to go on and say how much they paid for it not only on social media, but also on a different Facebook group than what he was actually selling it for, selling it on. So we went on to, he was selling it on Echo, got the valuation on Echo, went to Echo Auctions, and then went and posted on the Imperial Commissary um, about how much he paid for it. Very, very bit, bit strange, really. But like Dan says, I mean, uh, you can't knock the guy. I mean, he's, he's bought something cheap and he sold it for a decent amount of money. So uh, maybe a bit of money towards his, his neighbour might not go amiss uh, for the um, opportunity to buy something so cheap and uh, for him to make a real good, tidy amount of money. Yeah, absolutely fair point. Um, I, I don't think that post is available now. I think that post may have been removed. So you know what it's like, though, with the internet. When, when people say, you know, once something's on the internet, that's it forever. Because, you know, you can delete a post, but I'm sure that there are screenshots or whatnot kicking around. But but there we go. Yeah, a, an incredible piece. Fantastic story behind it. As you see, a great sticker. And now it's just raised people's awareness to, to keep an eye out for that sticker in the future and you never know you know i've got a feeling about stuff like this that something with that sticker is going to come up for sale certainly i haven't been tipped the wink at all but you know what it's like something is going to come up for sale within the next month isn't it with the same sticker on now someone's gone oh flipping heck i've got one of those right yeah i'm going to see if i can get a holiday out of this um, small <laughs> little box with a sticker so uh, yeah fantastic no one's going on this side of christmas no true 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 <laughs> Mate, this is a positive podcast. Okay, you're absolutely okay. right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, fantastic, lads. He did say, I did read the post, and he did say that he, I think the community put him right. Uh, and further down the post, he did say he was going to share some of the winnings with his neighbours. You'll have to sell your speeder. That's okay. I'm never coming back to this planet again. Pen ding approval poster. All oh, Craig, you'll correct me for the pronunciation of this particular piece. Now, um, this is something which you've been um, well. It's, it's a it's a fantastic story, which I just like you to uh, to lead with throughout. And uh, yeah, tell us, mate, all about your pending approval poster. Yeah, that's a, it's a very torturous uh, <laughs> title for a blog post, um, but it links back to the uh, the name of the, the product, uh, Penna Poster, which we'll, we will get into. Uh, but this was a, a random find on eBay. We've all done it. We've all, you know, Sunday night bored, trying to see what we can uh, type into the search bar, see what comes up. And I'm not sure what I was searching for when uh, when, when this popped up in uh 
in my uh, in my eBay, but um, I certainly wasn't looking for um, unproduced art of a, of a colour it yourself poster that dated back right to the very dawn of uh, Star Wars merchandise. But sure enough, there was this thing, and it was listed. And I'm going to read this out verbatim: uh, Vintage Star Wars Penner Poster Colouring Poster, 1977, super rare with three exclamation marks. And you know it's a good eBay listing when you've got three exclamation marks, don't you? So this is the listing: extremely rare. Offered here is a vintage Star Wars penner poster, colouring poster from 1977. Never officially published. This black and white colouring poster measures 15 inches by 22 inches and is in excellent condition with just some very minor general wear. One of the earliest Star Wars products ever produced. You won't find this super rare poster anywhere else. The story. Late in 1976, artist Frank Sirocco, Alien Legion, was contacted by Open Door Enterprises Incorporated, a company based in San Jose. California to do another in a series of pen poster colouring kits for the Bay Area Company. He had done a few others including a Star Trek colouring poster see photos and this was included in the photos in the list. This assignment was for a new science fiction movie that had not yet been released called Star Wars. Assuming they would acquire the licensing rights just as they had for the Star Trek poster, the company commissioned Frank to design the poster using promotional photos from the movie. As you can see they were so confident they even had him use the Star Wars logo prominently in the design. Please note the Star Trek posters are not included as part of this auction. The problem Open Door Enterprises was unable to secure the licensing so they had to cancel the publication product. Although disappointed Frank was paid a kill fee for his work and was able to retain the original art. The movie premiered and made history. With the success of the film Frank eventually decided to sell the artwork to make up some of the lost income of the cancelled project. Later that same year he ran across a vendor at a comic convention selling his Star Wars poster. His signature had been removed from the poster. Frank explained the situation to the dealer who stated that he did not print the posters and had no contact information as to who did. Frank was given a handful of the unlicensed posters by the vendor at that time. These posters, of which this is one, have been stored in a flat file since 1977 and are truly one of the earliest and rarest pieces of Star Wars memorabilia. Very few of these exist. Note, will be mailed flat. So that was the uh, that was the listing. Poster in question really sort of caught my eye. To describe it, it's I'm sure everyone's familiar with the genre of posters that you colour in yourself. So you know, largely line art work that you can that leaves lots of space for children to uh, to, to colour in and, and make their own. Um, and this is a, a character montage in the in the best tradition. You've got Vader at the top, flanked by stormtroopers. You've got little ships and and uh, vehicles flying around. It will kind of energy trails. You've got the heroes in the middle, Luke, Leah, Han and Chewie. You've got uh, Vader and and Ben, just very unusually depicted, like they're about to start a fencing duel either side of this poster with their lightsabers kind of vertically in front of them. Uh, and at the bottom, you've got a montage of 3PO R2, you've got the, T- the Tusken Raiders attacking Luke, you've got Grand Moff Tarkin in there, you've got Death Squad Commander, Jowers, and it was just, it, it was an image I'd never seen before. I like papery things, I like arty things, and it just caught my eye, it, it really did. But I didn't kind of go hell for leather for it, I was, you know, I saved it in my watch list and, and moved on, but I kept going back to it, I was very, very intrigued. I mean, what do we think? Just to pause there and get your view on that that piece of work as it stands. It's brilliant. You, you look at it and you look at the, you know, from the first 12 figures point of view, as you say, you've got, um, you've got the main characters, but you've got Death Squad Commander there, you know? Mm-hmm. Death Squad Commander with his massive helmet, almost like something out of Spaceballs. 
and uh, you know he, he's there with Tarkin you've got your, your Jawa Sandcrawler there's an incredible amount of action in this picture there's so much going on and, and they're not images which you normally associate you've got the standard sort of Chewbacca looking like he does in the original sort of Chewbacca picture on the carded figures and the Stormtroopers I guess but the Leah the Luke pose and the Han expression. Han certainly looks a little bit older, but it, it's all different. It all looks original. I love the sort of knights, the classic um, Vader and uh, and Ben. But let, let, let's just, from my point of view, get the elephant out of the room now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was when when I looked at this and I was like, hang on a second. And I, and I think when we were discussing it, I, don't, I really don't, I hope I wasn't the sort of pin in your balloon, mate. But when I said to you, there's a TIE bomber and uh, there wasn't a TIE bomber in Star Wars. So what's going on with that, mate? And um, yeah, so here you are sort of celebrating and, and saying about this significant, amazing piece of artwork which has got so much history behind it if, if anyone said to me right of all the people in the star wars collection world who would you want to have this it would be you or, or mark hands down it, it would be absolutely you because this is so up your tree and so well deserved but when i saw that tie bomber and i said to you mate it's got a tie bomber in it tell me about that and how, how did you feel because i felt a bit <laughs> rubbish afterwards that was absolutely a fair uh, a fair shout and i was so just i had no reason to doubt this guy um and i'll, I'll go on in a little moment to, to just sort of discuss him and his background but it all it all smelled and felt legit to me so i went back to him and i said look you know we, we can talk about this and told him that we were going to be featuring it and he said you know they they sent me a load of stuff they sent me a mix of uh, stills uh, and a mix of sketches of, of kind of pre-production work and mark had mentioned this uh this this thai boarding craft uh you know he was working from this this material supplied by the commissioning company and you know it's um it, it's very feasible that this this uh sketch by joe johnston with this thai boarding craft which was you know confirmed on wikipedia as being uh designed for the very first star wars film but the exterior model never made it into any scenes it was resurrected for the empire strikes back as uh, as the tie bomber so back in the early days that would have been kicking around and you know this is what some of the ships look like this is what some of the robots look like and you can tell from the poster that that some of it is just lifts of of, of stills you know the, the the tuscans attacking luke there at the bottom that's just a yes yeah, that's a reference to a still that we've all seen a million times and then you've got things like the the sand crawler which is very clearly um, ralph mcquarrie's you know early design for a, a sand crawler and then you've got other elements that he's just drawn himself to, to make fit so the, the vader and ben stood there like uh, dueling knights being uh, a good example of that so it all still rings true but was a very fair challenge yes well yeah uh, certainly um, no love no sort of you know no hard feelings though or anything like that so that's all good i mean really interesting that there's there's two bends in there so you've you've got your very sort of yeah. still looking ben and then and then another one so um as you say it's his interpretation of what he's taken from the movie i love the fact that centrally above it you you have uh, vader like he's you know all all sort of omnipresent almost and he is overseeing everything um, which you know because he can sense stuff uh, yeah I, I love it I, I really really do and I'm so grateful and so glad that you you've produced such an amazing blog to go with this which uh, we've obviously released uh, yeah cracking yeah My- so I, I started um 
I started writing a post just to put into the uh, Beyond the Toys groups. I thought, you know, that community would like to see that. But then it just it spun off. You know, this is what happens when I have not much to do at a weekend. So um, so I looked at I looked into Frank. So he'd clearly done this Star Trek version before and and pen a poster and open door. You know, I wondered who these who these com- what this company was and, and who this guy was. And, you know, it turned out that the guy selling it was the artist himself and he'd written it in the third person. And he now runs one of the coolest kind of looking vintage shops in San Jose and he trades in not sort of sci-fi specifically just general kind of vintage and pop culture memorabilia so looking into frank and his work very quickly you discover that he worked for marvel for a short time and he'd worked on um, doctor strange and uh, and the incredible hulk so he certainly had you know the uh, the comic art chops and you can see why back in the early days of his career he was you know they went to him to to look at this brand new star wars license but one of the things he became the most famous for was a, a series called the alien legion which was a, a marvel publication that was sort of a space version of the foreign legion a, a gang of misfits who would go around and uh, have adventures and you can sort of see a lot of his uh, his work on that he spent uh, a stint in the you know embryonic days of 3d work and, and computer games he worked on uh, the game version of cadillacs and dinosaurs which is a title i remember from kind of the 90s and interestingly fun fact he worked alongside a young programmer by the name of elon musk he probably has some stories you know this 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 comes from his beginning of his career when he was a, a jobbing illustrator you know i can imagine that it was it was quite a disappointment to him to uh, for, his, for this not to have gone ahead and, and not to be part of that whole kind of star wars world but i featured in in the blog post if people want to take a look something from a uk-based company called talon which didn't let the lack of having a license stop them from producing a very similar kind of color in set uh, which i purchased recently from mark do you want to just talk us through that mark uh, yeah it was a piece that i got from a guy I've been buying bits and pieces of him for a long time now. And every now and again, he'll, he'll sort of message me and say, I've got this. And he sent me a, a picture of that Talon art set. I had never seen anything like it before. And it's the t- it's a typical sort of UK news agent's tap rack type of product, you know, sort of 50p or 99p or whatever, you know, one of these cheap toys to keep kids happy for a couple of hours. It was clearly Star Wars because it got Star Destroyers on there, Millennium Falcon, 3PO, Vader, Stormtroopers. There was no hiding any, they didn't even sort of change it 15 or 20%. It was almost, you know, just complete lift of uh, Star Wars designs. It was like a blank, sort of rather black and white images that you then had like a little paint set, which you filled in in, in the colours. Really basic, very cheap, not licensed in any way, uh, not even dated, but clearly, clearly sort of late 70s, very early 80s at the absolute latest. And uh, never seen one in, in the whole sort of 40 plus years I've been collecting cracking items. I'm glad that Craig got it. Well, now, now I have a focus collection of unproduced and dodgy, uh, you know, poster art. <laughs> so. Well, we know where to come now, don't we, Craig? <laughs> So, so Talon didn't play by the rules um, where Open Door did. So they they walked away from this uh, attempt to win the license. But we all know who did win the uh, the license for such things for Star Wars, which was Craftmaster. I think when you think about the the Craftmaster posters for Star Wars, the one that springs to mind is the one with the three D helmet. Seems to be more just prevalent. I've seen that more often. It's the one I own, and it must have seemed quite ambitious and exciting. You know, if they were pitching against Open Door with their simple little. Posters 
supposed to, to have this 3D element of the Darth Vader mask that you, uh, you stick on top of your completed poster must have seemed like a no-brainer for, to, to get that um, license awarded. But it wasn't just that one. They had three others, uh, a mix of um, different designs. Although, you know, if you look at those now, there's a lot of black in them, a very kind of tone. They've got a lot of tone in them. Uh, you know, and I'd, I'd say Frank's would be more fun to colour in than, than some of these that ended up being uh, the official the official range but they were produced uh, obviously in the states but they were sold around the world under different brands so um, Palatoy Parker Brothers in Canada Meccano in France Takara in Japan so it was a worldwide endeavour um, and they also went on to be produced sort of craft sets and activities for all for all three movies in the original trilogy so uh, she got a three movie deal there so while they Craftmaster got the license to produce packs with felt tips maybe there was some wiggle room in there because Kenner were producing things that were packed with paints so whether that was a distinction in the license agreement I don't know but there were a couple of sets um, released by Kenner under their uh, Kenner Colour Corner sub-brand so one of these was a was a slightly bigger 15 by 25 inch poster pack that were packed with plaints which is a portmanteau of play paint I presume very clever and then of course the dip dots which I'm going to include because even though they were smaller I still think they, they kind of they're still things that people would have coloured in and put on their walls so uh, at, at that point I think you get into colouring books and, and that's something different but they both shared that really sort of trippy simplistic 70s style of illustrations which I absolutely adore I love the uh, I don't know whether everyone's familiar with the dip dots artwork but it really is cool I think these things are kind of quite cheap and easy wins for any anybody who's got a license and um, General Mills who Kenner obviously a part of kind of seized the opportunity to pack posters into cereal boxes so they had posters which were full colour on one side but they had very very similar kind of line work that, that kids would colour in and uh, and complete themselves on the reverse and there's quite a lot when you start to dig into it quite a lot of this material that tapped into that craze of the 70s I remember doing these things all the time they were everywhere in gift shops you'd go to stately homes and, and places like that and museums and they'd always have this poster tube with a few pens packed in and it was a kind of nice cheap easy kind of souvenir you could take home and you know i always had one of these on the go i don't know if anyone else kind of did this back in the day i did mate i'm, I'm completely with you i had these things all the time anything with a pack of pens in seemed to go through packs of felt tips like a knife through boy i i agree with absolutely everything you say i'm, I'm looking at the talon ones now and it's horrific how they've just ripped it off, as he says. It's it's not even a couple of changes. The the Falcon, the Tie Fighter, the everything. It's just oh my word! Why why weren't they prosecuted or done over? I mean, you know that, that that's the most heinous of unlicensed bootlegs there are out there. It's um it's so bad it's brilliant. But um move, moving down, what I love about your blog. I encourage people to go and see it because, yeah, you've got examples of absolutely everything here and of what he's done in the past. But this is just where we're so unfortunate to have the, you guys just full of such imagination. You, you've you um, constructed the mock-up here. So you said, oh, what, what could have been? So the mock-up packaging for the Star Wars set. So what he's got with his original poster, which we've discussed, and, and you've put together what it could have looked like in the shops so with a little header and a packet of pens. And then you've, what, was, what you just digitally doodled away on one as well. So you've just, you've coloured one in, which, right, okay, so I'm a child with my felt tip pens, trying my hardest to keep in the lines, and that's why I'm not a designer. And uh, and you've you filled this out like it's some sort of book. It looks incredible. But then you, you roll down and see the one which has arrived, nice and flat, and you've got, beautifully uh, mounted and framed and uh mate that, that's awesome i'm 
I'm so delighted for you. I'm so pleased for you. It's it's a great story. It's a great tales, and it's a great blog. It's brilliant. Just on the blog, um, Craig, I, I did read it last night. What was the um, his reaction? Because you mentioned that he, he found that someone had been copying it at a convention, and when he was there. He spotted there was copies of the the print there. Did he did, did he give any indication of that when you was conversing with him? Was he annoyed or just pleased to see it? I think. Um... <laughs> I, I think he, t- he sort of took these as a sort of look. You can, you can have them, just you know, don't don't kick up a fuss. You know, I, I, we did have, have quite a, a few kind of exchanges, and uh, obviously the, the the mystery of the Thai bomber was, was took a, a fair chunk of that. But he, you know, he's, he he was keen to come on and, and chat, but he's just he said he had that much going on at the moment um, with his with his shop and, and sort of personal stuff that he just he said no, just run with it, just 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 tell the story and uh, and yeah, just uh, put some links at the end because I've got a few more to sell. <laughs> We need, we need to have a chat. <laughs> Mark's probably there going, we need to have a chat. Or knowing Mark, Mark might have already had the chat. Mark, have you had the chat? Not yet, mate, no. It's it's crossed my mind. But you look at this, you know it's, I mean, it's you can see from that framed uh, picture, that's an, that's an old piece of paper. It's, it's quite yellowed and, you know, it's, it's, got the, it's got the look of something. I mean, I, you know, I've been through college, I've been through the early days of my career and I've kept everything and, and, and you do, you just, you should these things away in a portfolio with a little stack of them. And, and, and Dan, you're not one who's a bit shy on doing some sort of group purchases um which turned out to be quite fortuitous for us which uh we we could have mentioned earlier on because that was a result as well all of his links are there at the end of the blog if you want to give frank a, a shout see, see if he's got any left dad me and mark might have to have some sort of saving postage chat um because this could uh Oh, I'm just looking at that now and looking at the white frame and surrounds and I'm like that is oh yeah that's it is a beautiful image I look at it in comparison to a um, do you mind did you say how much you paid for it sorry I think you may yeah, have just, uh, so it, it wasn't uh, it was it was reasonable it was um, I think they should design these blogs better I'm it was the postage that was the killer wasn't it I think originally yeah. so it was on it was on for buy now at 55 and then it had um, the global shipping price which was more than the item itself it's, a, it's an unusual thing you know you We've all seen prototypes and produced things, toys, all the time. But but for, for things like this, the, the quirkier beyond the toys, it's few and far between. So it was just nice to come across something that was a bit different. Say are out to fight the street people, those who are causing a lot of trouble anyway. And an order of knights out to fight the evils of space has cleared Times Square of some of the street people. The people are fans who have been jousting for days to see a movie. The knights are Jedi, the Star Wars type. And the movie is Return of the Jedi, part three of the Star Wars trilogy. It finally opened to the public today. The film cost more than $32 million to make. The producers hope to get it all back along with the profits, uh, big profits rather. In the past, the Star Wars movie have the Star Wars movies have performed satisfactorily in that sense. Well, if it's a hit, it'll make money at the box office, and it'll make money elsewhere as well. In the sale of gadgets associated with the Jedi. That story we hear now from Josh Howell. You're looking at the busiest aisle at the Toys R Us store in Paramus. Children are shopping eagerly for toys based on a movie they have not seen. I have the book and every book guy's in here. I like the monsters the best. I really don't know that much about Star Wars, but I like it. Tell me how well Star Wars toys in general sell. Oh, they've done very well. I think they first came out in uh, in 1978, and the demand was incredible at that time. Return of the Jedi sheets sell for $15.97. 
The Millennium Falcon spaceship sells for $34.97. The Jedi characters, the figures, sell for $2.68. Some of the toys are action toys. If your child gets one, you may have to take it away with force. Don't move. I beg your pardon? Don't move. Don't move. You're going to hit me with the... Uh... I cut your hand off. Children are buying the toys, of course, but so are older investors. They're buying Star Wars toys. Right. In a couple of years, they'll be worth a lot of dough, like a lot of other things. You're buying them strictly as an investment? Yes, definitely. The movie opened today. The toys have been on sale all week. Josh Howell, Channel 7 Eyewitness News, Paramus. Right then, guys. So for this final chapter, what we're going to be doing is, in the future, one of us is going to be choosing their top five of a certain topic. And then we're going to just bring a little bit of debate about stuff. And uh, and we thought we'd start this off, Dan, with, with yourself, because uh, we're on a bit of a sticker theme because of the Palatoy Land Speeder. You were going to draw up your top five stickers. That's right. So I've tried to avoid the, the kind of standard offers that were printed on the front of mocks and go for something more in the vein of what was um, on the land speeder box that we were talking about earlier. So I've got, I've got my five. I'll take you through each one and you can you can let me know what you think. Um, I've got a little bit of I think they've all got a little bit of a backstory to them. They're not they're not kind of standard standard fare. So the, the first one that I've got is a a special offer which is which includes ATAT driver. It's a it's a rectangular sticker with a with a red. Ball Order and um, says special in big red letters, and there is a beautiful picture of an ATAT driver, the actual figure itself, not illustrated, um, on the front of uh, I think it's an MTV7, um, and this sticker was part of the department store promotion that Kenner had um, when they were trying to push all the product into the department store. So we all know about the the, uh, the Sears Cantina with the blue snaggletooth and the uh, triple pack figures, and this was this was all in line with with those kinds of promotions. So yeah, I really like that because I love the ATAT driver. He's my, probably my favourite figure if I had to focus on one it would be uh, be the ATAT driver yeah is that an MTV7 he's on <laughs> yeah so yeah. some really strange combinations in this um, I don't know if you if you're aware of this promotion at all I wasn't until I started looking for stickers I've, I've seen similar stickers before but there was a I think there was around 21 products that had and they all had different stickers depending on what vehicle the, the figure or there was some with backdrops and things like that that were inserted in the box with the vehicle um, and this MTV7 came with a with a baggied ATAT driver then the next one is a very similar figure, but it says special offer instead of just special. And it's got Darth Vader and the Stormtrooper on it. And that's from the, uh, that was on the front of a, a TIE fighter box. Some of these are extremely rare. So when I was reading the uh, post on SWCA, some of these stickers, they're only single-digit examples known. So they're extremely, extremely rare. We already know that with the with the with the triple packs, how much uh, how much they can go to. Again, really down to the figures that are featured. Really, I'll pick the my two favourites out: Vader and a Stormtrooper, standing prominent there. They look, look great, I think. I'm looking at that Vader, mate. I mean, I love the Attack Driver. That's nice. The way it's just standing there, and actually the figure is standing sort of almost 3d it's outside isn't it of the sticker itself because it's just i think going back to it you can just see a foot uh, and the top of his helmet is just interfering with the actual um racetrack around it or the border of the sticker so actually it, yeah. it, it makes it pop a little bit more but going back to the vader one yet yeah, actually you know rare as hen's teeth but it looks like and vader looks like he's got a dt saber sticking out of his arm as well Tell yeah us, which is strange to me because I thought the whole point of these stickers was to sort of clear extra stock and, and you know, when, when they're doing these special promotions, it's because they've got an ulterior motive, you know, they've got 
stuff which they just want to push out and push out. So why use stock photo of a of a DT Vader when that would have been very very sort of you know early production and then you would have just gone to the single yeah i think it was really the push for the it was more about pushing stuff into department stores and getting them on the shelves in there rather you know and in christmas catalogs and things like that and giving people an extra incentive to go and shop there because they did have the free figures so these i suppose it's a little diff, bit different in that respect but i i just like the way that the, the actual figures are printed on the stickers because you know everywhere else you look and everywhere else are, you know even the ones on front of the mocks they never well rarely feature the actual figure i think anakin and the emperor are probably the exceptions but everything else tends to be an illustration or a, or a, a kind of a call out with a with a message in it rather than an actual picture of the figure itself that's well, a it's a four color print that is a swanky danky uh, sticker isn't it i'm getting some strong german flag vibes from that color scheme as well yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. and i've always wanted a, a free pack and you know i love i love the, the kind of aesthetic of those and i think they look great and i'd never noticed before that the special offer written on these is in the same font as on those on those three packs oh, yeah you got me looking at mine now and you're absolutely right yeah and then the next one then was the um the clipper promotion um i, I think we're all familiar with this sticker um i just really like it i've always wanted one i don't own one and, and just reading up on them i think just because there was such a prevalence of kenner and palatoy cards out in um out in holland they had to slap these stickers on over straight over the back of all the all the english text just to get their their message out in dutch so this was an offer for a um all, all the things we're familiar with really i think for all the different various promotions we had on the on the palatoy and and uh, and kenner cards so there's an akbar a nine num on there nice illustrations of them the survival pack the the chewy bandolier and the and the vader carry case i don't know what the tra- the, the translation says but I'm, I'm assuming you send in nameplates or <laughs> proof of purchases and, and claim those items i love this example you've got there with it's just just the word lester just poking out from underneath the box. Oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a theme here with um, with Kenner cards out in Holland, so we'll, we'll probably talk about that more or in in a moment. So that was that was my third choice, and then my next one is the transition sticker, the Canadian transition. So when they were moving away from Empire and into Return of the Jedi, the Canadians had the uh, excellent idea of just slapping a Return of the Jedi logo over the Empire one. But the thing I like about this one, and I think Mark will appreciate this, is that if you look at the Return of the Jedi logo on on a, on a regular mock, it's only got one racetrack but this one's got the double racetrack much more in line with the empire logo and we, we we've talked a bit quite a bit i think on other podcasts about the return of the jedi logo and some of the modern lines where they're creating similar logos for the mandalorian and rogue one but this is it's not quite there but it's, i think it looks better than the existing return of the jedi logo that's a favorite of mine have you got any thoughts on that one mark um i haven't i totally agree with you mate it's it's as close to a, a, an empire logo as you're probably going to get with the jedi card isn't it yeah although there is just a tiny bit of wasted space on the left and right in a tiny bit so that was my that was my third choice and then my final one and i i I've, I've put a couple of examples in it because i actually used to own this i had a car back and i had to drive a car back with this sticker on um and it's 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 actually the same boba fett image that's on the palatoy land speeder that we were looking at previously so it's the same um boba fett um drawing which i think is a derivative of the palatoy one that we see in all the adverts for when they were doing the bounty hunter ads in all the comic books back in the back in the eighties, so yeah, it's just it's an offer for a free Boba Fett that expired on the thirty first of December nineteen eighty one. That's as far as my Dutch goes, but I just really like the image. You've counted through them. I, I love it. Going back to the the 
transition one you, you want one yeah that's definitely on the hit list i think it might have been uh, our good friend gran who who got one at celebration and found it just on a booth where it was just amongst all of the other carded figures and uh he got it and, and he took it away and you know a, a, a great price for such a such a cool card back with a nice mm. little bit of history and again it's that sort of history um which i think is so cool for those ones but yeah the fet one uh your, your dutch is just in the same standard as mine uh, but yeah that i mean that that fair pose is just is just brilliant they're they're some great sticker choices i have to say when when i saw this come through on the show notes i thought i'm really gonna have to dig deep and feign interest in this uh <laughs> in, in this topic but you've sold me dan it's great i was just uh really really interested to see it's not something i've ever paid that much attention to but yeah i can see why these are really appealing to uh to, to focus collectors and vehicle collectors and boxes and yeah it's great I suppose the trouble, I mean, because I've, I've got the example there of the Attack driver one that I had. I, I don't own that anymore. And it's really just displaying them because all these things tend to be on boxes or on the backs of card backs. And, you know, how, how do you display that? You know, I could have just put it in a in a proof case and, and had it with its kind of with its front facing the wall and have the sticker out. But it's, yeah, it wasn't really something that's very displayable, I didn't think. So, yeah, I, I let that go and swapped it for a Lily Leddy card, Rancor Keeper of all of them. <laughs> I kind of wish I hadn't now. But, um, yeah, it's... <laughs> I think it's a great looking sticker. You've got me interested now because, you know, I'm looking at stickers which I think, oh, you know, this has got my interest. But so I've got a beta, it's rough as um, creature set. So Star Wars three pack, special action figure set, three pack, which is um, Hammerhead, Walrus Man and Greedo. And you said about the sticker there for the uh, Vader and the Stormtrooper one being very, very similar to what you get on the three pack. And it's the first time I've actually studied this top corner as closely as I have. Not actually a sticker, is it? It's, it's printed onto the cart in this case. So so it looks like it's a st- sticker applied on top of the racetrack. But no, it's, it's original straight into the cart, which um, <laughs> there we go. So it doesn't classify as a sticker per se, but, but there we go. It looks like it. So, um, yeah, well, I mean... Mark, this is Dan's opinion, so it doesn't matter whether or not you agree with it or not. But I mean, what's he missing? What what would you have chosen in a in a top five? Are there any other stickers would you think, yeah, that's that's Mark's? There's only one sticker really that other than what Dan's mentioned there. I mean the, the special offer, the kind of special offer ones with the figures, they I mean they they're fantastic. And and I agree with all of Dan's choices. But there's one that always really stands out to me that just makes a card back look infinitely cool and i think it might have been wayne totty posted on echo base might have been echo base it was a palatoy no not a palatoy sorry a clipper r2d2 on an m on a 45 back and it had got the clipper logo as a sticker at a slight angle and it got the part you know the parker games logo where it's got that swirl and it's got the word clipper underneath I'll have to try and dig a, a picture out of it. It's it looks really cool. Yeah, a lot going on on that card. As far as I know, I think that's the only time that logo ever appears on a uh, card like that. I don't think it ever appears on anything else. 
I, I might be proven wrong, but from what I can remember, that's the only time I've ever seen that sticker appear on, on a car bag. Yeah, that, that, that's, the only, that's the only one I would um, sort of add into the mix, as it were. When, when this came through on the show notes, I think well, the only sort of on-box sticker that I have any affinity with, really, is the little Palatoy sticker that goes over the Kenner logo on the TIE Fighter box. It's not a thing of beauty by any stretch, but the fact that it's there just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside that, that TIE Fighter came out of Leicester. Can you imagine assigned that job? Here's uh, 2,000 stickers. We want you to post, uh, we want to, you to stick them on uh, every single one of those TIE Fighter boxes there, mate. It's got to be done by lunchtime, so get yeah. moving. It's designing them though, isn't it? We need the logo on there. Oh, oh yeah, we better put the address. Uh, yeah, shit, we need the catalogue number. Oh, hang on, the batteries are different as well. Can you put that on as well? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all there. It's a design classic. <laughs> oh, I knew someone that used to work at a, a place where they produced DVDs, and someone forgot to put the uh, the uh, film classification certificate on the on the on the artwork. So someone had to get a load of eighteen certificates and put three of them on one on the spine, one on the front, one on the back, and do it. God knows how many hundred thousand times. <laughs> So is that is that land speed of that 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 sticker on that box then is that is that the only example of, of a sticker like that? I mean, I'm not talking about that exact one, but any other kind of graphics being used on it being applied to card backs or boxes? Is that is no, that the only one? That, that that sticker that size that's the that's the only one uh, on a land speeder box that's been seen. From my point of view, I've mentioned in the past how there's a particular card back which I love, which was the Kenner. 48c because there was so much which i really really appreciated on that because it had the revenge sticker on the front and on the rear it was really from my point of view it was really aesthetically pleasing because it was different to so many others because it was bright blue border surrounding all of the figures so it was just something different about that card so the one which i love then and i'm bringing to this whole sticker debate is one which is referred to as the kenner I feel like I'm on the right train spot here. I'm going to be talking about the Kenner 48E, which is actually a Palatoy release. It's technically the 48C, which I said I've always loved, uh, the Revenge one. Uh, but with a Palatoy sticker displaying the correct Palatoy mail-away offer for the Admiral Akbar um, offer, which is on the card. So Kenner card proving that Kenner cards were you know, for sale in the UK, but with the Palatoy address on it. So for me, that ticks all of the boxes. I really want to get... Um, a 48C carded figure. I don't have any 48C carded figures, but to get one which has got that Palatoy sticker on the rear, making it a 48E. I mean, I'm sure again they're as rare as mm-hmm. hen's teeth, but for me that that that's such a great carded figure. And at the time when I really got into Star Wars as a kid, there is something about that Revenge, isn't there? I've got posters with Revenge banners on them, and I've got a few of that. I don't think I've got that specific one, but I've got a few with the Revenge on it, and it always feels like it's a bit special because <laughs> it's a different entitled sort of movie that was released absolutely you know again this whole sort of when people come around you're like oh yeah you know um the revenge you know it was return of the jedi was originally going to get called revenge of the jedi people are really what you're like yeah check out you know so you would ordinarily see it with you know a proof card or something like that so for you to be able to have a carded figure with revenge on uh, uh, to me is a treat it is it's great and uh, uh and yeah ticks all the boxes i absolutely love it well cheers for that section dan yeah really really nice and uh we'll have to pull straws for who's gonna go next time 
It's new Zucker, 4 LOM, an Imperial TIE fighter pilot, three of 48 action figures from Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection, each sold separately. And now, from Star Wars New Revenge of the Jedi collection, it's Admiral Ackbar, not yet available in any store, but free with six proofs of purchase. For many Star Wars action figures, details on special mark packs to participating stores. Offer expires January 31st, 1983. New 4 LOM, Zuckus, Imperial TIE fighter pilot, and other action figures, each sold separately. From Kenner's Star Wars... So guys, this is nearly bringing us to the, uh, to the end of this episode episode i'm drawing to the end of putting together this is niche every piece of star wars content in vintage looking magazines nice wow so so that's covers uh the pinups so they did a series of full page pinups of the actors a couple of ones where they've got just small articles about special effects things like that Um, and i found a couple of annuals last night which the listings had no mentions of star wars so there's a dirty great big picture of han solo on the cover of one of the i think about 1985 that's like drawing to the close of you know the height of star wars but yeah so um when that's put together are we doing something with it probably blog shape nice i look in magazine that takes me back that's definitely something which i would uh, be interested in, mate so i will definitely be watching that that's uh, yeah oh that's nostalgia in a bag that is brilliant the artwork for the covers was just unbelievable on looking wasn't it i mean they they really did knock it out of the park with the artist on those he was the italian guy wasn't he and i think i think he did like carry on film posters and things like that he was quite a, an artist of some repute what's really what's really been interesting about it is it's put in star wars in a in a real context you know it's usually we collect things in isolation you know it's a star wars thing this is a this is kind of broader so it's it's star wars and canon and ball <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely i was just thinking that because might be people going, what on earth are you talking about? What's Looking Magazine? So, yeah. Looking was weekly, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, and it was the- I think the American market had stuff like um, Bananas or what was the other one? Hot Dog was the other magazine. It was a kind of like teen magazine, wasn't it? But slightly yeah. older, uh, older children. And it was like TV and comic strips and letters and that kind of thing. Yeah, you, I remember like California Highway Patrol on the front and then you'd have pop groups and posters, Duran Duran, Five Star, you name it. Yeah, awesome. Chips, Incredible Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, a little bit of Fat Larry's band because you just can't beat Zoom. I played it twice this morning. I tell you now, right? If ever you're in a bad mood, just put Fat Larry's band on Zoom and it'll just lift your spirits. It will lift you up, guys. Sure, there's lots of adverts for Zoom lollies. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. But yeah, <laughs> love a bit of Zoom. Um, yeah, real. That's it's been, um, it is, it's been brilliant. And, um, and hopefully, um, our listeners have enjoyed playing along with us and, and you know, seeing the games at the beginning and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And please be sure to check out our YouTube channel where, you know, Craig has been working so hard to get all of our shows being enhanced and, and putting them on there. We've got on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And, you know, please just get involved, get amongst it. You have a part to play as well. You know, we say that we're Generation Skywalker. We're all Generation Skywalker. And it'd be great to see people getting involved and uh, giving comments or feedback or, or disagreeing with some of the things what we've got to say. And, you know, if anyone's got any other Dan's, Dan stickers, for example, you know, if someone else is like, no, guys, you got it wrong. You've completely missed the point. What about this sticker? That's what we want to see. That's the interaction which we love. So uh, please get involved. 
if you've got spare 30 seconds or so please um chuck us a review preferably uh, <laughs> a complimentary one on uh, podbean or spotify and i was looking earlier on that we might also be able to get ourselves on amazon podcasts as well because i know amazon are now launching so uh no that's that's awesome and obviously the website www.generationskywalker.com and uh, craig's latest latest blog is on there and email if you need to uh, contact us on email or, or send a message to Stu saying, for heaven's sake, come back quickly, is uh, generationskywalker at gmail.com. So um, thanks ever so much, lads, for getting involved tonight. I guess it's time to say goodbye. So, Mark? Good night. Straightforward. Love it. Craig? Cheerio. Dan? Up the custard people. Guy, <laughs> you want to call them? Indeed. And we're all looking forward to when Stu can uh, join us again uh, for the next episode of Those Old Fossils. Stu, mate, you know, I know you've got a lot on your plate right now, and we're looking forward to uh, welcoming you back to our ample bosom. Uh, but until then, we are Generation Skywalker. <laughs>